feeling this here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. Roll up, son. You gotta just do it, yo. Yeah, man. Yo, roll up, man. It's a different channel, son. Roll up, on, man. Roll up, watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. It's all good. Roll up, all good, baby, in every hood, son. Roll up, yeah. CNN, Network Channel 10. It's on again. Network Street niggas is grown men. Bold face, got in your face. Stay in place, yo, crime late. Cast more beef than Scarface. Call is now being recorded. Channel 10, it's on again. What up, what up? Channel 10 Podcast. Uh, Channel10podcast.com, all of that and all of that. Check it out. Um, me and Singa, we were just talking about uh, various things, dealing with eating and food and all that. So um, you were saying that um, you were talking about how potatoes get a bad rack. Yeah. Um, you know, I just, I know, I've noticed that through various, you know, um, sites that I've visited and, um, news articles that I've read, um, like, potatoes, they they really, for the most part, they get kind of like this bad rap as being, like, really super starchy and whatnot, but the thing is, though, if you look into, like, you know, the nutrients that potatoes have, you know, it has, like, a lot of potassium and, you know, the skin alone has, you know, different types of vitamins, like, I think, um, vitamin E and, and so on and so forth. And also it has a lot of fiber. And I'm not entirely sure, but since, you know, French fries are, like, a really big thing in, um, the American, um, American, in the American diet, they're really popular. Maybe that's something to do with it. And of course, you know, stuff like french fries are linked to obesity because of McDonald's and so on and so forth. But, um, sometimes, well, a lot of times, I, I start my day off with like a bowl of potato salad. And of course, it's not like a big heaping bowl, but, you know, it's a, I guess a, I guess a kind of a mid-sized bowl and it has potatoes that are boiled down to a certain extent, um, eggs that have, that have like, you know, your, your vitamin B12 and different types of proteins, um, onion, raw onion, and raw, um, like red bell peppers. Mm. And I kind of like, I kind of mix it all up because I, I try to have like a, I'm trying to have like more of a balance. So I'm trying to strike, I guess, like a kind of like a balance of like, you know, something that's kind of cooked to a certain extent, like boiled down a little bit, but then still have like, you know, these raw, um, vegetables that are, that, that are in it. So, you know, like eating like a raw onion is like really good for you. It cleans you out and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And so I try to have these, you know, these pieces that are raw that give me like, you know, straight vitamins. And then I have this potato that is giving me like a lot of potassium to my brain to kind of jumpstart my brain for the day while also giving me some protein as well and filling me up at the same time. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a um, really good pe- uh, plan. And, you know, when it comes to potatoes, um, you know, you know, I've kind of thought the same way about that. And they do get a bad rap. And I always look at it as, you know, there's whole cultures and civilizations that have survived off of potatoes. When you look at, like, Ireland for a time. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you have all these people who can live off of a potato, it must be a great vegetable, um, you know, just a great food or whatever. And um, not only that, it, you know, fills you up. And it's um, interesting because, um, you know, like how um, I make my big pots of vegetables. So, you know, what I'll do is um, I'll I'll get, like, different vegetable mixes from the market or whatever. So I might get, like, one mixed vegetables that has, like, uh, you know, be, uh, string beans and carrots and, you know, uh, maybe like a little bit of corn and stuff in it. Then I'll get another one with like Asian vegetables and I get like all these different varieties and I mix them up in a pot. And then what I usually do is, um, I'll throw some potatoes in there as well and I'll leave the skin on. And, yes. and, and the potato part because of the, I uh, either use potatoes or beans or both. And that's the filling part, and then you're getting other nutrients from all of the vegetables. And depending on what type of mood I'm in, depends on, you know, I might cook it. Well, I usually cook the potatoes a little bit more, but the rest of the vegetables, I might just heat them up a little bit, you know, just so that uh, just so that they're not frozen. Or I might actually, you know, cook them so that they're a little bit more mushy and stuff like that, you know. 
I try to switch it up. Sometimes it'll be a little bit more raw. Sometimes it won't. So I try to mix up different colors and different varieties, and especially with beans. Like I just made a pot of vegetables now, and it has um, red kidney beans. It has white great northern beans. It has black beans, and it has um, some other type of bean in there. And then mm. it has, you know, broccoli and various vegetables and mushrooms and stuff. And it's like, I feel like I'm getting a balance of vegetables from all of that. And then the flavors of everything mixing together and the beans and the potatoes, they can soak up the flavors from the vegetables. And even if you are boiling it, I feel like um, the nutrients that you lose from you know, certain vegetables, when you boil them, they go into the water and then get soaked up by the potatoes, so you're getting even more nutrients from the potatoes, so. Mm. Well, you know, I will say that one thing is, um, I, like, I'm not the best at, like, um, like, mixing different vegetables up because, you know, I'm a I'm a simple person, so I tend, like, to stay with, like, the, the same stuff that I eat in the first place, so, like, the main... Things that are all that I, that I always have is um, brown rice, um, potatoes, spinach, um, onion, and black beans. Mm. And black beans, I guess, are kind of new, but you know they have like a lot of protein. Since I'm not really, I'm not really eating fish like that anymore, like I used to. But um. But you know, um, you know that dark. They have like they have like a lot of antioxidants in it too. So I'm trying to make sure I get my antioxidants in at the same time while I'm trying to get something that has like a lot of protein in it. But then like I think um, a lot of times even rice to a certain extent gets a bad rap too because if you look, I mean the same thing like you know with um, the potato and you know Ireland, you know rice has sustained so many different cultures for thousands of years. And they don't have they don't they don't have this issue with obesity and you know these different types of diseases that we have over here and you know in the Western world. And I think the simple thing is it is it, like I think the, the main thing about eating for real is that it just goes to, it just it really com- it, it really comes down to how much you eat. So you know I don't have a big ass bowl of rice all the damn time. Sometimes I do. And I don't have anything else in my in my house and I you know, I haven't gone to the market yet, but then I mix it with some beans or something like that. But Yeah, I love I mixing that, um rice and beans and I throw in some, you know, cayenne pepper in it and some stuff like that. And it's a real good, quick vegan meal and I know I'm getting something that has a lot of fiber and some protein and some other things and It'll get me through a couple hours of the day just off of a relatively small bowl of it. I mean, yeah, and um, you know, I, uh, I think I told you this one time. Like, I went to um, a subway. Um, I was on my lunch break at work, and this. I mean, I'm, I I don't know. I'm assuming. I think he was Indian, and uh, he noticed that I got like the veggie, the veggies like thing with bread and all that type of shit. And so he asked, like, you know, if I was, like, a vegetarian or whatever. And so I said, yeah, in so many words, I am. And then he asked me, um, like, you know, what do I do? And asked me if I could, like, get him some, some, some pointers because um, he said that he had, like, a belly when she did. And he said he was trying to lose it. It wasn't, like, a like a big, like, blown-out belly. It was, like, one of those weird-looking, like, kind of, like, hot bellies. I, I can't explain it. It was weird-looking. But... You know, I asked him his diet, and he said, you know, he really eats, like, a lot of rice. And, I mean, I don't, I mean, he said, I don't know. I mean, I guess too much of anything can kill you, right? Yeah. But sometimes, I mean, but I looked at him, I looked at him, and he seemed like a really healthy man, though. I mean, outside, like, the belly, but he seemed healthier than a lot of people I see, I see walking around that area. I'm not saying I'm the most healthy person in the world, but, I mean, I'm just saying, I mean... Compared to all the other types of things you could probably be eating, I don't think rice is that bad. But then I know carbs and all this other type of stuff. And then I'm pretty sure he was he was much older than what I am, and so his metabolism is slowed down probably, which probably has a lot to do with you know his rice intake and what and what it's doing to him. Well, I think a lot of that has to do with the type of lifestyle you live, and if you're sedentary, um, you know the different foods are going to have a different effect on you. 
And I always go back to this one Combat Jack episode where before they got into the interview, they had some type of trainer on there talking about, you know, if all you do is, you know, sit in the office all day and don't get any real exercise, um, excuse me, um, exercise, mm-hmm. and you really don't have any business eating anything other than a salad. <laughs> and, like, you know, I've noticed that my weight has gone up and I've put on some fat in the past couple of weeks, pretty much ever since Freddie Gray died. Um, I've been, for some reason, just eating a lot of, like, fries and stuff like that. And I haven't been exercising as much. I've fallen off of my my uh, exercise regimen. So this week, actually, I'm going back to my no-processed foods, just my straight vegetable pot, and, you know, exercise and everything like that. And it's like, you know, you can eat all the healthy food, but, you know, and that's, you know, a big component of it, but you also have to exercise. And through exercise, you know, your testosterone goes up, your metabolism increases, and, you know, all these other benefits, you know, happen from it. So that's um, another um, important part of it. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's true. And, you know, like listening to, like, the Joe Rogan podcast, you know, it, and I, you know, I've, I've, no, I've, I already, I've always known this, and you know, like the whole thing about eating like flour and shit, like things that are based around some type of flour and processing and stuff like that. And I think, um, I guess, I guess you can, I guess, of course, alcohol is processed, you know, with the the grains and stuff like that. But outside of that, um, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I, I get, um, you know, like the the vegan cheese and shit like that, um. Like shredded cheese or whatever. Outside of that, for real, um, the pro- like the, I get like, to- like tortilla or like tortillas. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, they're good to, you know, wrap up, you know, like rice, beans, and like some tomatoes and stuff like that in, and eat it. And it kind of adds to the proteins too. And then, you know, between, you know, like the rice and the black beans on top of like the wheat. You're getting like like a really full balance, you know, like a really balanced protein out of that too. And then also you throw some spinach in there and tomato, or you're, you're pretty good for the most part. But like, um, I'm thinking about trying. I'm trying to cut back on that because, you know, since I'm getting kind of an age, you know, if my metabolism like starts going down, and I keep, I think I, I don't know, this is my my theory. If I keep at the rate of you know which of how I'm eating tortillas with a bread period, since you know I'm I'm kind of like a big bread eater, um, I'm pretty sure I'll fuck around and get like a belly or something like that. So I've been yeah, thinking think, about it, but I don't know. I think um, you still walk a lot, right? Well, yeah, see, that's the thing. That's the only good thing about not having a car is that you got to walk. And so, like, when I go to the market, I walk. And so I'm carrying, you know, like, I'm carrying a five-pound bag, you know, a five-pound thing of, like, potatoes and other shit back and forth. Yeah, I think, honestly, and I was listening to on this one chick on the Joe Rogan podcast, and she was talking about how, like, she doesn't even work out, but she's, like, this fitness expert. And um, I guess kinetic, I forget exactly what it is, some type of kinetic fitness type thing. And basically, instead of, like, going to the gym, because even if you, like, go to the gym and you work out for, like, an hour every day, um, you're still living a sedentary lifestyle because it's not really natural to just sit all day and then go and get this burst of exercise. You really have to incorporate it into your daily life. So, you know, mm-hmm. doing things like walking to the market and then carrying um, real weight and working out, you know, your functional strength muscles and stuff like that. Like, you know, you can become functionally stronger doing that than somebody with big muscles who, you know, is only targeting certain muscle groups and stuff like that. You're getting, like, more of a full-body workout. And your metabolism and testosterone is probably higher than a lot of people. And then one thing that you can do to boost that is um, take a zinc supplement because I think zinc aids in the um, in the production of testosterone. Well, I mean, I, I think uh, yeah, this is only because I think between like you know, like um, whenever I think of, like testosterone, I think of, like sex drive and shit like that. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. And between like 
Right, all these aphrodisiacs. So apparently, I, I, you know, I, we had a conversation about this too. I think on, on one of the podcast episodes, and yeah, we did. Everything seems to be like everything's a damn aphrodisiac. And so, damn it, everything in my refrigerator or like on my counter in a bowl is a fucking aphrodisiac. So I think I'm good. <laughs> I mean, I think the thing is, um, from a holistic standpoint, like you know, if if your uh, sexual functions aren't functioning, then there's probably something that's off with you in other areas and stuff like that. So I think, you know, when when things, and this is like kind of my theory, um, I think when things are touted as being an aphrodisiac, it just means that it's just really healthy and it's going to increase your your sexual function because it's increasing the general function of your body and that's just a regular function of your body. So, you know, if your body is not working right, then your sexual function isn't going to work right. And, you know, testosterone isn't just for that, but it's also for, you know, muscle production and um, regulating all kind of other functions that, you know, happen in your body and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's true. I guess... You know, I try to, I, like, you know, there's all these studies and all this other type of stuff that's going on. I just try to keep things as simple as possible in my mind. So, like, I figure if, if um, you know, if for some reason I can't get it up in the bedroom or something like that, then probably something's off with my diet. And if I'm, if I go and seek out, things that are touted as aphrodisiacs is probably going to add some type of balance to my system to where everything is going to be working right, including that, because a lot of that has to do with blood flow. Yeah, well, I go do it to you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, like, even, like, I mean, these studies, I, I don't know, but I, I guess over time, of course, you get to, the, you know, you you understand and learn certain things, right? But, for example, like oatmeal. Now, oatmeal is kind of being deemed as kind of like, you know, a bad thing. It's like it's too starchy. It, it'll, it's too many cal- too many empty calories and shit like that. Mm. And it's kind of crazy to think that, you know, like, people are worried, are worried about a bowl of oatmeal in the morning. Um, nowadays, and I kind of bought into it to a certain extent because, you know, I do live a really, you know, I guess a, you know, a laid-back lifestyle, you know, my, uh, my, I guess my career at this point, it revolves around me sitting on my ass and looking at a screen for eight hours at a time. Right. <laughs> um... So I think, you know, like the way I'm living right now, it really kind of um, makes me more paranoid when it comes like when it comes to certain studies and stuff like that. But then I do I do walk quite a bit. Yeah, and then you know, I, you know, I always question when people worried about some daggone oatmeal, but like, what about them pork chops that you about to eat for dinner? Very true. Or like, you know. So it's just like, I don't know, I just try to keep things real simple. And, um, you know, I was talking to somebody recently, and um, they were kind of coming at me about the whole vegan thing and, you know, why would you do this and blah, 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 and you're going to die anyway and all that type of stuff. And I kind of had to shut that down. I was just like, look, I think that we can all agree that you should probably eat more vegetables, right? And he was like, yeah. And, you know, when you look at, you know, you know, you, yes, you're going to die anyway, but would you rather have a slow, painful, diabetes-ridden, high blood pressure-ridden descent into your death, or would you rather be fully functional, you know, knocking down walls at 60, <laughs> uh, <laughs> just straight slaying these uh, dots out here <laughs> at 70 type of life? And... You know, um, when it comes to diet, you know, I don't even, you know, you know, I'm on my vegan stuff, but I don't necessarily preach it like that. I'm just like, you know, 
because a lot of people look at it as taking away from something that they love or something that they, you know, love to eat. But, you know, think about it as adding more. So you can start by adding more vegetables, eat some kale or some, or, you know, some type of green leafy vegetable every day, add some broccoli, just add more vegetables. And, you know, the way I eat is just like, let me add as many different colors of vegetables and varieties in one compact meal as I can. And, you know, I should probably be good, um, you know, and, you know, it's not really processed. And, you know, I might put, like, different herbs and spices in there that, you know, have been shown to have some type of benefit. And it's funny because I always, like, you know, with my girl or whatever, you know, I, you know, I make my big pot of just random mixed vegetables and stuff like that and beans or whatever. And, you know, she used to look at me like I was crazy, so... You know, you know, how could you just eat that? It looks like it tastes bad, whatever. So I went over there um, the other day, and I brought my vegetables and stuff, and I was like, you know, let me just cook this over here. And she was like, oh, you know, I might as well have some. So she had it, and she loved it. She was like, this is great. So, you know, I gave her something to take for lunch. She did, you know, um, I mean, she liked it, you know, the way I had it, but, then you, you, like, she did melt some butter over it. But, um, you know, at the same time, you know, she thought it was delicious, and, you know, you can eat well, it can be delicious, and all you have to do is just add some vegetables to your life. Hmm. Well, I mean, you know, and we've had this conversation, and, you know, I think the main thing is that, you know, it when, if you do, like, become a vegetarian or vegan or whatever you want to do, it does kind of come to a point that if you really want to live, like, kind of like a healthy lifestyle, you're going to have to start cooking somehow, some way, because you can't depend on, you know, um, these weird, like, frozen vegetarian, you know, like the the black bean burgers that come, like, they're frozen all the time because, you know, they're high in salt and they're highly processed to have, you know, half the time they have milk in them. Um, you know, that's something that you're trying to cut out. Yeah. And the way that we're living, you know, where everyone's so busy that, you know, you just kind of, you got to try to find time and, like, it cook. And you know, sometimes I don't like cooking. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't have anyone to take care of but myself. So sometimes I don't like doing shit either. But I think I got so used to it, and I do know that it's way, it's way easier for me to say this because you know, um, I don't have anyone to take care of. But you know, I mean, I, I should, I understand why people don't want to cook all the time. Like, you know, I come home with like a like. Um, you know, like a five, like a five pound bag of, you know, rusted potatoes, you know, what I try to do is like, if I don't have anything else to do, as soon as I come in, I, I rinse like, you know, four or five potatoes off, and I, I throw the bitches in the pot, start boiling them, Why? and I had that bowl, I'm doing something else, so then if I do want to chop them up, I can, because they're already ready. Yeah. But then if I don't want to, I'll throw them in the refrigerator for the next day or something like that. Yeah, and this, you know, it's, it's, like, switching your diet up, it becomes very habit-changing, and it kind of affects, like, you know, kind of, you know, the way that you live your life because, you know, I was the type of person to where I would run out to McDonald's, and like, like, like right now it's coming up on 2 in the morning. If I was hungry, I would run out to McDonald's real quick and get me some type of burger. But, you know, now I think more and I plot and plan and strategize more about my day, and it's like, all right, you know, let me put on this pot of vegetables. It's probably going to last me a day or two. So I always know that, and, you know, it doesn't take anything to make. I just, like, literally, all I do is just empty a bag into, you know, empty some bags into a pot, throw some various spices in there, and boil it for a little bit. And then, you know, that way I know that when it, you know, if shit hits the fan and I really don't feel like making anything, I know I have that to fall back on. But then if I do feel like doing something later on in the week, you know, make some potatoes and, you know, put it over some uh, some spinach with some beans and make me like a little salad or something like that, I can do that too. Something that's a little bit more, you know, intensive and time-consuming. But um, I think you were saying before, I think, was it episode two or something like that, uh, chopping vegetables in grad school, um, you know, just the act of, 
just the act of uh, cooking and, and and preparing food, you know, it can be kind of uh, relaxing and also creative as well. You know, it's kind of, it can be like an outlet and an escape from, you know, the daily hustle and bustle of life. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, sometimes, you know, like, I'm just, like, in seminar, and I'm just kind of spacing out, you know, because, like, I, I, I'm at the point now, because, you know, like, they, people have been talking about, you know, cooking, and, I mean, it seems like it's more of, like, a thing now, at least, but we all know that it's always been associated, you know, with creativity, and how, you know, you can, you can express yourself, you can express yourself through cooking, and, you know, sometimes... I found myself in seminar because I, I, I now I kind of associate um, cooking with having a drink because sometimes shit is boring. You're doing something mm. repetitive, like, you know, chopping shit up. Mm. And, you know, at the time I have, like, a podcast where I'm drinking, I'm like, sometimes, like, in seminar, I'm like, I can't wait to like, go home so I can chop these fucking potatoes up and have this fucking drink. <laughs> And stuff like that. And then, you know, you'll, I mean, sometimes you didn't, I mean, sometimes I get into the habit, like, right now I'm trying to figure out how I should go about making these nori, nori rolls. But I'm, I'm, I'm still on the fence about buying nori because it's like, it's like six, seven dollars in a bag and it seems like you get like a lot of it and I'll be fucking pissed if I, if I mess it up. Now what but exactly then, is nori? Um, it's a type of seaweed. It's okay. like that. It's big and like over over east or whatever like that. Mm. And I mean, it seems rather easy. I mean, you you have like a sheet of it. You put like you know, um, you know, a different, you know, like different, you know, um, vegetables in it, and you roll it up like some type of paste that you make. And you just slice it up. You cut it up. You roll it, and you have an order roll. The thing about me is that I'll probably fuck it up. But now I'm thinking in my head though, if I do fuck it up. If I put like a sheet up, I can just throw it in like in, into a, a like a, a pot and make soup out of it. Though mm. I could do that, and I'll be fine. But yeah, that's real big because like you know I'm real big on not wasting food. Yeah. So like even if I do mess something up, I want to figure out some type of way to remix it into something else, so that um, you know that food can still be salvaged and um, you know eaten. But um, but yeah, I'm a, I'm man. If I haven't been to the Asian market in a long time, I gotta go there. I'm probably gonna try to get me some nori rolls. I got some um, I got a pack of spicy guacamole um from Aldi the other day, and I'm trying to think of like I don't know what I got it for. I didn't have like a purpose in mind for it, but I know I'm gonna do something great with it. So maybe the nori roll, I might. Try that and incorporate that guacamole with it. Mm. I mean, I want to buy like I want to buy some wasabi, but I'm trying to figure out what I would use it for. I guess uh, going back to uh, you know the processed food and my horrible eating habits, especially dealing with the potato recently. Um, yesterday I was in Seven Eleven. And I saw these wasabi ginger chips. I think they were made by Lay's. Oh, oh God. Like, no, I have to get these because I just have to know what the hell this tastes like. And I was expecting it to be horrible, but it was actually delicious. And well, see, I have never seen this anywhere else, but they were actually really good. Well, see, well, th- man, this is that new game. They're going to try to just throw some type of healthy-sounding shit on chips and sell it. And then you'll have vegans who will start becoming super fat. Yeah, I mean, I see my f- fat coming back, which is why I got to get, you know, back on my grind. Um, but um, my girlfriend, she actually has, she got this thing from Walmart um, the other week where it's a, um, like, you can do all this different stuff with potatoes with it. It's like, it has, like, this little great thing. So, like, we made uh, hash browns the other day. It actually didn't come out that great, but it was our first time trying to make them. Um, so, it has, like, this hash brown grate, and you just take the potato, and you just go back and forth on it, and it just makes, like, you know, these perfect, like, hash browns, like the kind that they have as, like, a diner or something. Mm-hmm. 
and then um, it has a thing where you can like slide the potato up and down, and you can make your own fries. And I think you can make like your own chips and stuff with it. So, you know, I think it's better, you know, if you want something like that to make your own, and you know, find a way that's not you know time consuming to do it. I mean, yeah, like I mean, um, like like me in person, like in like you know buying like tortilla wraps. You know, they get kind of expensive over time, you know, and I'm thinking about trying to make my own, but I think that's that's a bit too time-consuming for me. Um, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can do that. I mean, like, do, like something to do every now and again, but I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's funny how, how, like, you know, as time goes on, when you embark on, like, a certain type of lifestyle, like, whether it's vegan or vegetarian or whatever it is that you do or get involved in, like, hip-hop or whatever, and how you kind of become somewhat of an expert in it, and, like, you can look at things and see through the bullshit of certain things like that, whereas, like, the DLA person might not be able to. So, like, somebody might come up to you with something and be like, oh, yeah, this is healthy, and... Um, I guess one of those types of things is like, you know, when people say, oh, yeah, this is fat-free, you know, and, you know, they really think they're doing something that's healthy. And then, you know, you might have to, like, school them and, you know, look at the ingredients. Yeah, it's Mm. fat-free, but it has all kind of glycerides and monotoxins and whatever uh, multisyllabic words on the back. And... You know, it might be fat-free, but it still has all kind of salt and whatever else that they're trying to replace, you know, whatever pleasure that you get from fat with. And you actually need fat. Like, that's not what the problem is. The problem is, you know, too much fat for the amount of exercise that you're getting and all the other type of stuff. And so... Um, I know that you were saying about the um, Indian dude in Subway asking you for pointers and tips and stuff like that. And, you know, I've noticed in my life, you know, especially like when I go to Subway, I go different places and people start to notice, you know, my eating habits. I end up getting into random conversations with people about this topic. (laughs) And, you know, somebody might notice that I might get like a veggie wrap from like a Royal Farms or like the Veggie Delight. I'll either get the sub or I'll get the set the uh, chopped salad, and I always get into some type of long conversation with somebody asking for some pointers or something like that. So, um, do you get that a lot in your life? Um, in Baltimore, it's I mean it's not exactly common, but it's not uncommon. So I mean it's kind of like in between mm-hmm. here and there, but like here, um. No, not really. I mean, like, usually if I eat seaweed somewhere, then people will say something. But I thought, I personally, I thought like, seaweed was like, you know, like, I thought seaweed was, was a part of, like, you know, one of those, um, you know, like one of those diet fads, like, with, like, coconut water and shit like that nowadays. Yeah. Um, but apparently not. Mm. Um, well, not yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least not yet. Or at least, yeah, I don't, I don't know, but, like, when I do, when I, when I am asked like certain questions, I get like really uncomfortable because they ask you these questions and you know I'm trying to figure this shit out my damn self. Like for example, I, I meant to tell you this the um too. I think the past three three four times I've I've been to the market, I haven't bought anything soy based. Mm. Um, but I still do. I'm pretty sure I get like a pretty decent amount of soy uh through you know go, I'm getting through like my my buying coffee and stuff like that, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like they have like Starbucks. They they do they do coconut milk now, and I don't know if I can do it. Like um, I, I like I did what you uh, what you told me, and um, I got the almond milk that that didn't have any type of like sweet. It was just regular straight almond milk. Yeah, and it wasn't. I mean, I mean, I mixed it with coffee. Like when I made coffee here the other day, and it wasn't bad. But I mean, per, I mean, I still would rather have soy milk. But I mean, it's not bad though. It's decent enough, but you know, I mean, I don't mind almond milk. Um, but yeah, so I, I think I'm going to try to just stay away from soy at least in my house and just like 
just deal with it when I go to Starbucks or something. I get like a latte. Yeah, and I think that is, you know, um, you know, like a lot of things you can't really be like super strict with it. Um, like even when I was eating meat, I always had this kind of policy of, you know, when it comes to red meat, I won't have it in the house, but if I'm out, I might indulge in it. And that was my way of, you know, limiting my intake of it. But, like, I might have, like, some chicken in the house or something like that. Or, like, you know, some fish. So, like, with certain things, um, like with soy, pretty much the only soy that I get, um, for the most part, is when I um, get Chinese food. And I might get, um, what I've been getting recently is, like, I'll get mixed vegetables with, um, uh, bean curd, or, uh, you know, what they call it, um, I guess, you know, some places call it bean curd, some places just call it tofu or whatever. So, like, mm. that, that tofu type stuff, that's pretty much, you know, on the rare occasion when I get some Chinese food, that's pretty much my, my soy thing. I wonder in, um, in like, in, uh, in economically, Challenged areas. I wonder if, like, the Chinese food stores around there, if they started switching up and they started having, like, bean curd and stuff like that. Because in certain, like, Chinese food stores, from what I can remember coming up, there really wasn't. Sometimes you would see bean curd, but a lot of times you wouldn't. It'd just be all straight, you know, meat and stuff like that. Well, you know what? Um, a lot of places don't have it on the menu, but if you ask for it, they have it. Okay, yeah, so it's pretty much the same story with every place that every damn... I mean, well, I, I told you about my story about that one time, like, here, when they didn't have anything. <laughs> and I really couldn't... I couldn't eat shit, really. I, I mean, only, like, some french fries, pretty much. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was horrible. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's interesting, though. Yeah, because I've been going to the um, Chinese spot, um, you know, up here at Hilltop, uh, like like uh, Rogers and Rice's Town Road, and little shopping center, um, and it's, uh, I'm not sure if they have it on the menu or not, but, you know, I just asked for it, and they have it, and, you know, I, uh, I guess recently I've been frequenting various um, Chinese places, and economically challenged areas and I just asked for it. And they, I like I, I like that word. I like that phrase, economically challenged areas. I mean, I was going to just come out and say, you know, but I figured maybe I should try to switch it up. Yeah. But, um... But, yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's interesting, like, when you think about a food desert and then you think about, um, you know, how, like, a lot of times these places that are food deserts, they always have the uh, Chinese food spot. And, you know, really, if you try hard enough, you can eat pretty healthy from a Chinese food spot. Like, if you get the, um, if you just get, like, the mixed vegetables with, like, some rice and, you know, don't get any of that crazy-ass sauce on it. Yeah, but you know, the first thing people complain about is that they don't, they don't get enough duck sauce or whatever like that. <laughs> okay, so this is my question. What is duck sauce? Um, well, I do know now it doesn't come from duck. Okay. Um, but it's, it's literally some type of, like, sauce that's made with, like, some type of sugar. I know that much. Okay, I might... I might try it just to see how... I've, I've never tried duck sauce before. It's it, it, It's really sweet. Um, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm not into, um, and, you know, I guess this is one thing that kind of <laughs> probably annoys my girl. Um, you know, I've never really been into just trying things that I don't know what it is or what's in it. So, like, salad dressing, um, I, I've actually, I don't think I've ever really had salad dressing until this year. Um, when, you know, she gave me Italian dressing and I, you know, we looked at the ingredients and, 
you know, found that, you know, this particular brand was vegan because, you know, Kraft, for some reason, has some type of milk in it. Um, but, like, when it comes to, like, you know, people eat, like, ranch and stuff yeah. like that, and I don't even know what other type of dressings, but, you know, when you tell me something like ranch, <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> so why would I, like, why am I going to put this weird stuff? Like, it doesn't even, like, it doesn't tell me the flavor of it. It doesn't tell me what's in it, how it's going to taste. All I know is ranch. When I think of ranch, I think of cattle and <laughs> just dirty, just just, just dirt. <laughs> so why am I going to pour this on my lettuce? And, hey um, man, you know, throughout my life, I've 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 never I've I've never had the urge to to put that. Isn't it white? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not gonna put some 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 creamy white liquid called ranch <laughs> on my green vegetables. And it has like uh, like black dots in it, like black specks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like dirty, dirty white creamy liquid <laughs> all over my vegetables. I mean, well, you, you, you did have, I mean, well, you, I mean, you, you've had plenty of Italian dressing. I mean, uh, from, you know, like my, uh, my, uh, my pasta salad and stuff like that. Okay, but see, okay, okay. So yeah, yeah, so I guess I, I didn't even know that, but, you know, I, you know, if it's coming from you, I trust it. Yeah, um, because it is interesting because, like, at first, before I got deep into it, I would get, like, the craft, like, years ago, like, while I was doing college and, and I realized that it had some type of weird milk in it. So then I just gave it all away. And then for some reason, like the off-brand things of Italian dressing, they never have any type of milk in it. It's weird. Mm. And actually, it, it, it tends to be way better to me personally. And you get a big-ass thing of it for like a dollar and some change. That's what's good, yeah. I, and like sometimes, it's like, why is there milk in this? Like, I don't understand, like, what, what's the purpose? Like, what is this doing? To, I mean, maybe, I don't know, like, the consistency of it, like, you know how um you have, uh like, the, the four senses, and then you have, like, what the extra sense, what is it, it's five senses? Like, the, yeah. I mean, the, the five things of taste. Oh, 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 you, you know, I've been meaning to look this up. It's what, it's, uh... Sour, Sour sweet. sweet, salty. I think it's four, right? And then it's like the other ones, like umami or something else. I think. I don't know. Sour, sweet. Um, what do we say? Sour, sweet. Um, sour, sweet, salty. Maybe spicy. Oh, hold on. Oh, it's um. Shit. Oh, here you go. Or NPR article, of course. They know everything. Uh, um, sour is a sour, sweet, sour, salty, bitter, and umami. I think we had a conversation about this article some years ago. Um, about like the guy who created it. Yeah, yeah. Umami. Yeah. Um, so some type of like chef in Paris, apparently. He kind of came up with, yeah, so he came up with, like, the with like the idea because apparently what he had, it wasn't sweet, bitter, sour, or salty. Mm. It wasn't a combination. But then it's interesting, though, because um, have you seen um, uh, Jaro Dreams of Sushi? Mm-mm, nah. Okay, well, um, have you heard about it? I see it pop up on Netflix all the time. But, yeah. Uh, about? Um, I watched it the other day and it's about um it's about this um this sushi chef and he's like world famous but like really only like amongst like foodies and he's um you know like that that that, that like big book that comes out I think like from France about like all of like the places that you have to eat at. Yeah. And I think he's appeared in it maybe like two or three times in a row, or whatever like that. And his sushi um, 
restaurant. It's it's like it's a simple store. It's kind of like one of those like walk-in restaurants, like in um in like in the subway, in the subway, like in like one of the subway st- uh, stations or whatever like that. And you gotta have reservations, and like it's like a lot of money. It's, like it's pretty expensive, like to go to. And then it pretty much takes you behind the scenes of like you know like what they do, um, like the guy's life, how he's trying like to train his son, who's like his senior apprentice or whatever like that. When he dies, take over um, his restaurant and the other people that they have um, who are working there. So like apparently, like for example, um, if you want to work for him, you pretty much you kind of can as long as they can see some type of work ethic in you, but. Um, the first thing you do is that you have to like like set off the towels for like the people who come, and the towels like really really hot, and so if so um you have to be able to ring out like pretty much this hot this hot ass towel ring it out and then like place it gently like I guess gently on like the the person's plate or whatever it is, and um apparently the water is so hot that it takes like like years or like like quite a bit of time for anyone like to do without like you know being like without wincing or whatever like that and then it's not until then until you finally complete that then you're able to like to start like learning how to cook but then even with that I think you can only like crack eggs that takes maybe like two two three years to complete <laughs> it's, 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 like, it's really like it's, it's crazy but um he was talking about the term umami and he was like kind of talking about um, like what it what it means, and he said that the term pretty much means that you have all the all of the flavors like all compacted within like this one thing, and they're all like evenly placed, which is like really hard to do. And then you and then you get that feeling that um that's like a certain sensation. So to him, that's what it meant. It's um so it's interesting, like. Just the Asian perspective on certain things and how it seems like when it comes to a lot of things, they have this ambiguous term that's like supposedly like mad deep, but it's hard to grasp because when you think about putting all those things together in equal parts, the thing that I'm thinking of is how do you measure it? Like, is there a measure for sweetness or bitterness or sourness or something like that? Is it like a unit? Um, no. You just gotta. I mean, you just gotta know how to do it. And the, and the thing that's, and I'm pretty sure the main reason why they they had like a documentary on this man is because he's won like these numerous awards for sushi. And the thing is, though, he's still like, he's still, he's still like, he still hungers to learn more about it and how to make it even better. And mind you, he's been doing this shit for like 50 years or 60 years. Well, he's been doing it since he was like maybe 13. And he's like in his 80s now. A really long time. And he says like he, he still like wakes up, he dreams of sushi. He'll wake up like five in the morning. Well, hours before he has to get up, he'll just start working on different ideas of how to make the sushi better. Um, different techniques for the rice and so on and so forth. That's that's wow. That's dedication right there to his art. I wonder, you know, because like I wonder, like you know how like a lot of times you'll make beats or whatever, and you know you might have this idea and you might go through five different beats before you make one that's good, where you like perfect a certain technique or something like that, or you might make a whole bunch of beats trying to perfect some type of technique and it just doesn't work and you just throw it out and never come back to it. So I wonder how many of his techniques that he gets these ideas from actually get incorporated into his um, his recipe or his, you know, regimen of making the sushi and how much doesn't. Hmm, that, that's, a, that's a good question. Um... I mean, I know that he says, like, with time, like, you know, certain things just kind of, like, it kind of, like, makes sense. So, like, for example, um, I think with, like, uh, I think, like, with the seaweed or whatever it is that they do, you know, it, it's something that, oh, yeah, like, for, like, um, octopus. 
the way they do the octopus when they make, uh, I guess, any type of sushi thing that has octopus in it, um, it's massaged for like 30 minutes under like water or something like that. And originally he said that he, when he was like trained, he was like told maybe like 10, 15 minutes. But then he did like 20 and then he felt as though it wasn't hard enough, so then he pushed the 30. And I think sometimes if it is, if it is, if it isn't right enough, then he'll have him do it even longer until he, until like his, his, his life soft enough. And, um, that's something that like, like one of like the people who are under him, that's what they do. They just sit around and they just damn near just massage octopus, <laughs> octopus all day. <laughs> and it, apparently it's a really grueling task, like the massage of like a big ass octopus. <laughs> um, but apparently he loves his job, so I mean he loves doing it. And he had like a heart attack, and he um he quit smoking um after a while. And the thing was like he had like a heart attack when he was trying to get like fish from the from the fish market from his for his restaurant. Mm. And you know he said he went stir crazy when he was like in the hospital. He couldn't wait to get back to work. And he said it's pretty much like something's really, something's going to have to happen to him. Like that, that pretty much tells him they just can't work anymore until he stops. That's dedication. I'm, I'm wondering how big is an octopus. I mean, well, I mean, they're, I mean, they're well, like the ones on it. They weren't all that big, but like if, they, if you think about massaging something for like thirty minutes, like imagine massaging a like the human body, right? But then you have like a specific area that you know, like oh, like the person's back is fucked up, something like that, or you just massaging someone's shoulders that they after they get off work or something. You're massaging, like, the tentacles, like, the head of the, the, of the octopus. So you have to, like, make sure all these things are, like, evenly, like, are evenly soft, I guess, in a way. And I think that's, that's harder to do than, I guess, trying to get, like, a, like a knot out of someone's back. Yeah, because, like, to do that, you would have to, you know, to be good at it, you have to massage octopus. Or how do you, I don't know what the plural octopus is, but I think it's octopus. Okay, you you have to massage octopus to a point where you are familiar with the anatomy of the octopus through your hands. Because like you know, when you are massaging a person, you kind of know because they have the same parts as you. Um, you kind of know what spots to hit and all that other type of stuff, but. When you think of a sea creature with eight tentacles and a completely different structure, like, it it just kind of boggles my mind. Like, do they even have bones? I don't know. I don't think they do. Like, (laughs) just, you know, when you talk about the years, I'm just fascinated. And I have to watch this documentary because... Like, for you to know how to massage this weird alien-like creature to get it to the right softness on all eight tentacles, that just seems amazing to me. And, I mean, like, the the thing, the only thing I had about the documentary was that, like, toward the end, you know, there was, like, when, uh, I think, like, the, the oldest son was at the fish market, um, apparently he just randomly kind of just starts talking about how it's hard to get good fish now, and then he kind of gets into this whole thing about, you know, environmentalism and how people are killing off all the fish. And I'm pretty sure that was some type of weird, um, you know, environmental um, spin that the director or creator, wh- whoever it was, wanted, wanted to put into it. And it just went on for, like, kind of too long to me personally. It might have been, like, one of the sponsors or something like that. Maybe, like, if you want to get this money, you have to, you know, do something for the cause. Mm. Yeah, I mean, maybe, but, I mean, overall, yeah, it was a it was a good documentary. I mean, just, like, just, like, to show someone who has such dedication. And I was going to say, like, something so simple, but... I mean, like being like you know in like a sushi, being being in a sushi restaurant, like seeing like you know a sushi chef, sushi sushi chef. Um, it was it was pretty interesting, you know, like the time he taken, you know, I'm assuming that 
the one I went to, it wasn't, and you know, it wasn't like a damn. It wasn't a restaurant like his. I know that much. <laughs> so I mean, even like the dedication that he alone took for doing that, and he's not even considered a five a five star sushi chef. It was amazing. I mean, when you think about something like sushi, like when you and you know, this is something I actually kind of do regularly. It's kind of amazing to me because. You know, it might be out on the platter, and you have this whole platter of these tiny, almost intricately designed rolls with all these different elements in a small package that looks like it had to take time and care just to make one small one. And you have, like, a whole platter of, you know, dozens of them. And it's like, you know, it it's, you know it does seem like it takes a lot of dedication to do it, even on the lo- on the lowest level. Yeah, I mean, yeah, man. Like, um, like even in the documentary, you know, he was talking about how he has like is a certain type of rice that um that, that he buys, and he only buys from like people like when it comes to fishing, like rice. He only buys from people who actually know their craft. Who know who pretty much people who know more about these things than he does, mm. and so he trusts them, and then he buys some type of rice that he did, he didn't even name the type of rice that he buys, but he says like the type of rice he gets is really hard to cook, and apparently over all these years he's mastered how to maintain this rice at room temperature, because he says that you know when you eat sushi it has to be at room temperature anyway, so there's some type of weird shit that he does with, like, the rice, and then you got to put it, like, within, like, a, within some type of, like, weird basket, and then put it within another basket, and then put some type of cloth over it, and it's, it seems kind of simple, but, yeah, intricate, but then, apparently, it took him almost, like, 20 years to, to like, to understand, like, learn, and figure out. Mm. And it's interesting, because when he dies, all that knowledge is going to be gone, unless he's, like, thoroughly documented it somewhere. I mean well I mean it's all within his son. Okay. Um and so like um apparently like you know like the, the French people came like to do like that, that little book again and um it was said that like the like like the main like Jairo Jiro, um he didn't he didn't cook. Um he didn't make the sushi his son did. Um and it still got like a like a three star rating. Um so based on that, I guess it, it's pretty much assumed that once he dies, the son will be able to keep it. And mind you, the son is fifty, and the son expected to take over the restaurant years ago. <laughs> um, but there's another son too. But the other, but since he's, he's the youngest one, he went on, he went on and he started his he started his own restaurant because you know it's, Jap- it's a Japanese it's a Japanese thing custom where um, the oldest son has to take over takes the father's place. Yeah, so he's been there for like I think he's been there since he was like a teenager. Well, hopefully he's passionate about that at least as much as his father was. Because if not, that sucks to be born into a profession that you hate like that. Well, yeah, well, well, he well, he, he taught both of his sons out of going into college, but apparently I think they had the choice. To, like they had the choice, but he taught them out of doing it and just working at the restaurant with him. Um, but apparently he he has some passion for it. He said at first he didn't, but now he does. Um, and then there's like this other guy they had on there, and he made his way up like past like you know cracking eggs, and he was doing he was doing like the egg sushi. I never knew they even had egg sushi, but it was like a cake. And um, he said that it took him like almost ten years to perfect making egg sushi, and then he said when he got it right, and he told me he got it right, he started crying. Mm. Like God damn, man! Oh my god, I can only imagine. I fuck around, cry too. <laughs> ten years for some damn sushi. Yeah, and I mean that's not even like the main stuff. That's, that's egg sushi. He hasn't even gotten to the to, like to the actual fish and octopus yet. Yeah. And it's crazy because, um, and this used to be my problem with cooking, 
is that you spend so much time on something that's going to be gone in the blink of an eye almost or the gnashing of your teeth. So it's like, damn, I'm I'm like, I'm spending all this time trying to perfect this and it's just going to be gone. And that was one of my deterrents for, you know, cooking. And here you have a guy who is spending 10 years to perfect one particular style of sushi, which you can just pop in your mouth and it's gone in a matter of four seconds. Yeah. And, you know, on top of that, there's no real glory from that. I mean, like, he's in a documentary that's on Netflix, but, you know, that there's probably no wiki page on him right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> and so, I don't know. I mean, I... You know, I know that type of thing doesn't matter to everybody, but, you know, you're spending 10 years of your life doing this, and there's no wiki page about you. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean if you think about it, I think that's the majority of people, well, a lot of people at least that, you know, they have a particular career, and they spend 10 years on it, and they finally get to where they want to be, and no one really cares. Maybe people within that field, so who knows? Maybe um, at least within like within like the Ronald Sushio, the way he does it, it's expected for one like you know after a while um, you go on and you you start you start your own restaurant. You're not supposed to stay there. Uh, um, so maybe he can find glory and have a, a documentary like how this guy does, but um, you know apparently like this like you know this guy he didn't really expect. For this to be going on, he just liked to make sushi. And just wanted to make it as best as he could. Mm. But then I think, like, it's like sushi overall, though, it's really like a. I don't know, maybe, it, well, I'm sure this, this is like a, this is like kind of like a westernized view of things, but it seems like it's really like a, like a, a foodie type of thing. Because, you know, if I get like a, you know, like a, a thing of sushi, like six and six pieces, I'm not going to be full. Although I know, I do know, like, that's where, that's where, like, a bowl of rice comes from and stuff like that. But yeah. I'm still not really satisfied. So sometimes I feel like when I do get sushi, I'm really just getting it because I just like the taste of it. And, you know, I don't really like to, I don't really like to go over that all the time. I haven't had sushi in a long time, though. But I mean, um, you know, recently I've been going to Hibachi Grill which is an Asian buffet, and they have a little sushi bar in the back. And I I can't lie, I go in on the sushi, and I get my fill. I've gotten, you know, my fill on sushi, though, because there's, um, there's a nice sushi spot in uh, Mount Washington that I go to called Chayo Sushi. Um, did we ever go there? No, uh, I think we went right next door to drink. <laughs> we did actually, yeah. Okay. <laughs> to the Mount Washington Tavern. Um but yeah, you know, um, I like to go to Chayo Sushi and um you know, you just order your food and you know, it might be kinda of, I don't know, I guess it's kind of expensive but you know, to get a proper fill of sushi and but, you know, I've gotten pretty full off of it myself. Of course, you know, I'm getting the um that they are vegetarian sushi these days. Oh, isn't that is that a California rule? I can never remember the what they call it nowadays. Uh, I don't know. I just like it usually just says vegetarian sushi, or you know, they might have some other type of name for it, or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, sushi was one of those. It was like one of the only things that I really missed after my switch to vegan, but um I do find the uh I do find the the uh vegetarian sushi satisfying, especially, you know, going to like a nice sushi spot where you have the atmosphere of it and everything where they bring you your towel and, you know, you're eating it with your chopsticks and 
you get your little bowl where you can mix up the wasabi with the um with the uh soy sauce or whatever and dip your sushi in there. So I mean yeah, that and then you you can get like a um like one of those uh like a thing of sake. Yeah. And stuff like that. I usually get the um the the uh Sapporo, Sapporo. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Yeah, and then, you know, they have the, the uh that uh stereotypical Asian music playing faintly in the background. Oh, well, I don't, well, I mean, I think LA is a bit different. They don't, they don't do that. I mean, there's so many. It's, a, it's such a large Asian population. I guess they don't have to do that. Mm. Like to really get that atmosphere. And you know, at one point, I was the only non-Asian person there. Sometimes when I would go, mm. and you get like a side. They had like like two dollar, like three dollar sake bombs on Tuesday and shit on Thursday, and then you just get fucking sake. And I don't know. I, I don't. Know, I remember one time like I felt like I was in like five W Venoms or some shit like that. I know that sounds super stereotypical. I know it does, but you know I felt what? like I was. I was, um, I was thinking <laughs> about that when you were talking about the sake, and I was thinking about um, what was it? Uh, the, I think the movie that had the old dirty bastard in it. Um, was it that one? It was uh, one of those kung fu movies we watched. And it was some guy who was always getting drunk off of sake. You saw, are you talking about um the um the lizard not in the five W I can't think of his real name though, but when he would uh he would just take like the big ass drugs and start like just just killing them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was uh, the key with the golden arm. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, man, like I just felt like, you know, I had the chopsticks, I had like the sake and I was pouring it and I'm like I was I, I felt like I was in like a scene like from nineteen seventy nine I was waiting for someone like to come here and try to fuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, speaking of that um, feeling is here. Yeah, son, you feel it, man. What would up, son? You gotta just do it, yeah, yo. Man. Yo, what up, man? It's a different channel, son. What up, on man? What up? Watch the channel, son. Different plane now, man. So good. What up? All good, baby, in every hood, son. What up? Yeah, CNN Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Whoa, face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime late. Cast more beef than Scarface. CNN Network Channel 10. It's on again. Street niggas is grown men. Whoa, face, gather your face. Stay in place, yo. Crime late. Cast more beef.